All right, I'm ready for the... No, we're going to put that down a little bit. How we doing? Good, good to hear you. Good, good to hear your voices. Good to be here with you guys today. Uh, I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story. Um, this is... I want to share something that, that crazy that happened to me that hasn't happened to me in probably 15 years or more. Um, this, was, this was absolutely crazy. I still am in awe that this happened. It is, it is unbelievable. This is an amazing story. This is absolutely tremendous. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sharing this so that you have sympathy for me. And I'm not sharing this so that you become jealous of me either. I, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to recognize how rare this really... Are, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? All right. So, oh, in between Christmas and New Year's, I took a couple days off, okay? So here's, here's the kicker. I spent three whole days in my house, and I never left the house. Yeah? Well, I had three days. I wasn't sick. I wasn't buried under, you know, the projects where you got to get the kitchen remodeled. I just stayed at home, and I played with my kids, and I, and I loved my family, and I watched a movie, and I cleaned the furnace, and I just was home, and I never left for three days. Now, I know some of you are like, I wish I could have that. Some of you are like, I wish I had the opposite. But for me, it was tremendous. I can't remember the last time that I just stayed home and just loved life and just loved my family. And I remember afterwards, I told my wife, I said, I haven't left in three days. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling crazy. You see, what struck me as interesting is that is really kind of an uh, anomaly in our, in our culture. I mean, it, it's culturally, it's, it's not something that happens very much anymore. It is uncommon. See, not very often do we just stand still. I mean, we have this go, 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 go society. I mean, we're always on the go. We're, we're always on the move. I mean, we, we, week in, week out, we're traveling a mile a minute. We've got thousands of things we've got to do. We've got to do. And, and whenever we get done with one thing, we move on to the next. And even if we're not ready to move on to the next, we don't have time to stop and figure out the next thing. We just got to keep going because we live in this go, go, go society. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have lists. You have to-do lists of things you've got to get accomplished. You've got a list of places that you need to go and that you want to go. You've got a list of people that you want to spend time with and connect with. You've got, you've got all these lists. You've got lists of, of hobbies that you want to learn and hobbies that you want to master. And you've got lists of TV shows that you want to get caught up on. And we have all these lists because we have all these things to do. And we just go, 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 go. See, our lives are in motion. Our lives are always in motion. Sometimes our lives are moving forward, and sometimes our lives are moving backwards, but very rarely do we just stop and be still. Relationships is the same thing. You think about your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your kids. They're always in motion. You're either growing closer together, or you're growing farther apart. I mean, that is the way our relationships work. And that is the way our relationship with God works as well. There's not, many, there's not much middle ground for us just to sit and say, I'm going to hang out here. 
No, our relationship with God is always in motion. We're either moving closer to God, or we are moving further away from Him. And so this leads to our sermon series of Forward. This is where the sermon series comes in. See, as we look forward to 2014, as we look forward to to what God's going to do this year, my goal is for every one of us that we would move forward spiritually. That we wouldn't be moving farther away from God, but that we'd be moving closer to Him. And that we would move forward to what God has in store for us this year. And so if you have a Bible, we're going we're gonna to look at two passages today. If you have a Bible, um, if you don't have a Bible, and uh, we can give you one. We've got an usher in the back, Mike, with a full beard. He looks great. If you just put your hand up, we'd love to be able to get one of these Bibles into your hands. Let that be our gift to you. Um, the first place I want you to turn is to Romans chapter 6. And you can just put your finger there. Turn to Romans chapter 6. And then uh, the second place we're going to be in is in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read Matthew chapter 28 first. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, this passage in Matthew 28 is, uh, is a well-known passage of, of the Bible. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And, and, and here he is going to give something that is called the Great Commission. Jesus is, is preparing to return to heaven. And so he gives his disciples detailed instructions about what they're supposed to be doing while he returns to heaven. It's called the Great Commission. So we're in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And it, and it says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for this opportunity to come into your house today, to be able to open up the Bible. God, there's places in this this world that they can't open the Bible and read it like we just did. So God, I thank you that we have a place that we can come and we can hear your word. And God, I pray for every one of us in here today, Lord, that we wouldn't just hear a good talk, but that, God, you would speak to us, that you would draw us to yourself, that we would move forward in our relationship with you, that we would grow closer to you. God, I pray that your spirit would be here and that you would draw us to yourself. And Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. See, here at Restoration Church, we've talked about this passage a number of times because it's really a foundational passage for for the church. It's really the foundational passage. This is Jesus' mission. His mission, he says, hey, disciples, your mission is this, to go out into the world, to, to make disciples, and then to baptize in them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, and then to teach people to observe all that I have commanded, to obey Jesus and obey everything that Jesus has said to do. We have summarized this in our mission statement here at Restoration Church. Our mission statement is to know Christ and to make Christ known. It comes from this passage in Matthew 28, as well as from Acts chapter 1. But I want to take another look at this passage. Because yes, this passage is for us. Yes, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go make disciples and baptize them and and teach them to obey everything that Jesus... Yes, that is what we're supposed to do. But it's also... It also has, has a different meaning for us. And if we look at it and say, this isn't what we're supposed to do, but this is supposed to be for us as well. We look at it and we say, hey, 
We're the new disciples. This is a picture of Christianity. Step one is to become a disciple. The first thing, the most important thing, is to become a disciple. You see, baptism doesn't matter unless we have a relationship with Jesus. Following and being a moral person and doing all that Jesus commands, it doesn't really matter unless we first have a relationship with him. And so here, Jesus is saying, hey, first things first, you got to be a disciple first. That's the first step. The first step is to come into a living relationship with Jesus. Because if you aren't a true disciple, then, then everything else is just waste. Everything else is just filthy. So the first step is to become a disciple. And then he says the second step is this. The second step for us is to get baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're excited because we're going to see this today. We're going to see people take that step, take step two in following Jesus and getting baptized. And then the third step is to learn to obey Jesus and all of his commands. Now this is something that we will never fully uh, accomplish in this lifetime. None of us will ever reach that spot that we can obey everything that Jesus commanded. But we are to learn more about Jesus. We are to, to follow him more. We're all, we are to learn more about what he wants in our lives and, and to become more like him. See, our lives are always supposed to be in motion to learn to follow Jesus. I mean, there's never a spot where we get there and we say, hey, you know, I'm good enough. That's, you know, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm not going to pursue God anymore. No, we, we are never at the point that we stop pursuing God. And so he says, hey, we are supposed to learn to follow Jesus in everything, in every part of our life. And it's always in motion. We're always supposed to be going forward. But specifically today, since we're going to have baptisms, I want to focus on Jesus' command to be baptized. Now, I started in, in, in Matthew 28 because I, there was a few things I thought were important to point out. See, the first thing that was the first important for us to point out from Matthew 20, 28 was the first step was to become a disciple. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, people in the world who get this confused. They think, well, I, uh, well I'm going to get baptized first, or, or I'm going to get baptized as a child, uh, as an infant. But God's Word says the first and foremost thing is we have to have a relationship with Him. Because everything else is, is, is just rubbish. And so Jesus says the first step is to become a disciple. That needs to be pointed out. The second thing I thought was important by looking at Matthew 28 is I want you to see that this is a command from Jesus. Jesus has commanded those disciples to go into the world to make disciples and then to baptize them. It is a command for us to follow. Jesus has commanded us to be baptized. And so, as we have four individuals today who are going to come forward to get baptized, this is them saying, Jesus, I want to obey you. You commanded us to do this, and I want to obey what you've commanded me to do. We've got two 10-year-olds uh, two that are going to get baptized today. And one of the, one of the questions I asked them, and I said, is it good to obey mom and dad? Yeah. Is it better to obey mom? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's even better to obey Jesus, right? And the kids said, absolutely. And so one of the reasons we get baptized is because we want to obey what Jesus has commanded us to do. But the biggest question that we deal with then is, is what is baptism? I mean, okay, I understand Jesus commands us to do it. I understand that. But, but what really is it? I read a story about a a pastor was sharing, and he said, yeah, we were having a baptism service. And so he said, we're there before service. We're getting two baptismals set up. 
And this guy comes in. This guy wasn't a Christian. He was new to church. He had no frame of reference for what baptism was. And he comes in, and he says, wow, pastor, your church is so cool. The pastor's like, well, thank you. You know, that's, that's a compliment. And he goes, you, this is the coolest place I've ever been. You guys throw the coolest hot tub parties? I mean, you got the hot tubs, and you got the big screen. This is the best hot tub party I've ever been to. So what is baptism? I think it's important for us to understand what baptism is. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, so let's look, uh, let's turn to Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6 with me. Turn forward a few books, Romans chapter 6. And uh, Romans chapter 6, there's a lot of passages throughout the Bible that talk about what baptism is. But I think if we look at Romans 6, there's going to be a couple foundational truths that we can um, understand to what baptism is. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 6 and starting in verse 3. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, you see, hey, we'll stop right there. That's the first point right there. Baptism, it's all about Jesus. Baptism, it's all about Jesus. First things first, it's always all about Jesus. As a church, this is one of the common sayings. It's all about Jesus. And baptism is the same thing. It's all about Jesus. You know, as a church, uh, our goal is that not only do we talk about Jesus, but that we show Jesus as well. I mean, we're going to come, and, and, and I've, I, every time we open up God's Word, we're going to look and see how it points to Jesus, because we believe this is really, this whole book right here, the Bible, is, is really one big story pointing to Jesus. I mean, that's the truth of what this book is. And so we say it's always about Jesus, and we come and we talk about Jesus, and that's good. But our goal is not only that we talk about Jesus, but that we show Jesus. We want to show Jesus by the way that we live. So we're going to come and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the gospel. But then we show the gospel through something called the sacraments. The sacraments are, are known as communion and baptism. Communion, which is the bread and the juice, um, uh, it shows Jesus' broken body, his shed blood, his death on the cross. And that's communion. That is one way that we show Jesus. And baptism is another, another way that we show what Jesus has done. We show the gospel. Look at verse 3 again. It says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ. You see that word, that, that phrase, all of us? You see, Paul is talking about us. He's saying in baptism, we identify with Jesus. See, baptism is about identifying with Jesus. It shows that we are connected to Jesus. It shows that we are connected to his church. I mean, it is, a, it is an outward proclamation of, hey, hey, I'm one of those disciples now. I mean, when someone gets baptized, they're making an outward proclamation. Hey, I'm one of those disciples. I'm one of those Christians. I'm identifying publicly with Jesus. I'm identifying with, with thousands upon thousands and upon thousands of Christians who have gone before me, who've been baptized to identify with Jesus. It is an outward proclamation. Baptism identifies us with Jesus. I mean, what's great about this is it doesn't matter what race you come from. It doesn't matter what your income level is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your history is. You may have had the sketchiest history in, in, in all of Yakima. And it doesn't matter. Because we identify with those before us. We say, I am with them because of baptism. We identify with Jesus through baptism. 
But look, in again, look again at the verse 3. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? You see, not only is it about Jesus, but it's also about Jesus' death. Jesus is the second member uh, of the Trinity. He's the creator of all things. But, but he comes from heaven and he lives on a man, lives as a man. He takes on human flesh. He takes on human life upon himself. He declares himself to be God. He declares himself to be Emmanuel, God with us. And he lives this absolute perfect life without sin. He lives the life that we couldn't live, but we were supposed to. He lives this perfect life, and then he goes to the cross, and he dies the death that you and I should have died. He pays the penalty that you and I should have paid. He dies in our place for our sins as our substitute. He substitutes his perfection for our sinfulness. And so baptism shows that Jesus died in our place. And Paul goes on in verse 4. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. See, so it's about the burial of Jesus as well. And he continues and says, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too, we too might walk in newness of life. See, it's also about the resurrection of Jesus. So here is what baptism is about. It's about Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. See, baptism becomes a picture of Jesus. It becomes a picture of the gospel. When someone gets baptized, they are saying, hey, Jesus, we're saying that Jesus died for them. We're saying that, that Jesus was buried for them. We're saying that Jesus rose from the grave for them. We're saying that they love him and that he loves them. See, baptism is a picture of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. Before we baptize any, anyone, uh, what we do is, is I meet with them, and I, and, and I don't want to hear them say that Jesus is their God. I want to hear them say that they believe that Jesus died on the cross for them. I want to hear them say that Jesus was buried for them, that Jesus rose from the grave for them, that their faith is in him alone, and that the salvation comes from Jesus Christ alone. That's what you want to hear, because that is a picture of what baptism is about. I mean, this is one of the reasons why baptism is so exciting. Because it's about Jesus. It's about people meeting Jesus and surrendering their lives to him as their savior. I mean, scripture, the Bible says that when a sinner repents, that the angels throw a party up in heaven. Shouldn't we do that same thing? Shouldn't we do that same thing? And baptism is a beautiful picture because it's a picture of lives that have been changed by Jesus. Shouldn't we throw a party for those people if the angels do it as well? Paul goes on in Romans 6 and verse 5, and he says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, what Paul is saying here is not only are there benefits and blessing to knowing Jesus in this life, there's also eternal blessing and benefits on the other side of death. This, that, that, that just as Jesus died and rose from the grave, those of us who belong to Jesus, when we die, we will rise from the dead as well. We will rise from death. Yes, we will die. Yes, we're, we're all going to, we come to that point where we're all going to die. Some of us, 
are closer than others. No offense. Uh, <laughs> we will die, but because of Jesus' resurrection and because of his forgiveness of our sin, there will be a resurrection. There will be a resurrection for those who belong to Jesus. I mean, this, this is good news. I mean, just having that knowledge, it transforms the way that we think about death. It gives us hope beyond the grave. It gives us hope beyond the grave that death isn't the end. There's more yet to come. And Paul continues in verse 6. And he says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. See, what Paul's saying here is because Jesus died for our sin, we can put our sin to death. Did you hear that? Because Jesus died for your sin, you can put your sin to death. Do you know what sin truly is? I mean, sin is, is more than just our failures. It's more than just our faults. It's more than just our flaws. It is disobedience. It is rebellion. It is disregarding and disobeying God and God's commands in his word. And what happens when we, ha when we sin, what happens is it, it sin begins to become a lifestyle. Sometimes we, 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 we celebrate it in our lives. Sometimes we tolerate it. Sometimes we accommodate it. Sometimes we blame others for it. Sometimes we, sometimes we excuse it. Sometimes we try to manage it. Sometimes we try to hide it. But the reality is sin becomes a lifestyle for us. And Paul, he rightly uses the word here, slave, to describe our relationship to, this, to sin. In the Bible, the word slavery, it tends to refer to addiction, to sinful compul compulsions, things that we know that we shouldn't do, things that we are ashamed of, whatever it might be. Whatever you have that rules over you like a God, you almost feel power, powerless to it. That is what Paul is talking about as a slave to sin. But Paul's saying this. Paul's saying that when Jesus comes, when Jesus dies on the cross, that he dies so that those false gods can be put to death. Just as Jesus rose, we can walk away from the old life, from those things that, that bound us in slavery. We can walk away from, just as Jesus walked away from death. We can walk away from the old life and what Paul calls in verse 4, newness of life. In Jesus, you get a whole new life. And I can, I can tell you something. I can tell you what, I can tell you it's true. I can tell you it is absolutely true. That Jesus dies so we can put to death our old self and so he can make us new. God, Jesus, has the ability for every one of us in here to make us new. To let us walk away from the things that we are, are bound to, to. To the things that we are slave to. He gives us the ability to, to, to leave those things there and to become new creations. Not that we ever become perfect, but we are new. The old life is buried with Christ, and the new life is risen with Jesus. And in baptism, it shows that our old life has died, and that we are made new. 
That is the picture of baptism. That when, when, when someone goes into the water and, and they're brought back into the water, that's their old life being dead. And when they come back up out of the water, that is their new life coming on. It is a picture of what Jesus has done. See, Paul is saying this is what baptism is all about. There's a lot of, of great theological and biblical truth that's packed into the act of somebody getting baptized. How awesome is that? So when we see people getting baptized, when we see people getting baptized this morning, I want every one of us to realize that Jesus loves them. That Jesus identifies with them and, and identifies them with God's people over the centuries. That Jesus shows them uh, the, our eternal resurrection. That Jesus shows through baptism the, the love of Jesus through the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And, and through baptism, we see that the old way of life can die. That we can be free from slavery to sin, to bondage, to Satan, and to death. And that we can walk in newness of life. This is what baptism is about. It's about people saying, I'm going to obey Jesus. It's about people whose lives have been changed by him. So what I want to do right now is I want to transition a little bit. Um, Nate, if you do me a favor and run back and have the kids, bring, bring the kids out. Um, as we've learned that baptism is a celebration of what God has done in people's lives. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Did anybody celebrate anything that happened yesterday? I mean, I mean, how many have ever been to a, anybody ever been to a Seahawks game? Okay. The one thing with a Seahawks game is you know it's going to be loud, right? They have this thing called the 12th man. I know my, my, my friends from South Carolina, I don't know if you guys have learned this yet, but they have this great, the Seahawks have this great thing called the 12th man. And, and I love it because yesterday you saw the 12th man in, in, in a riot, man. They're celebrating what, what, what the Seahawks have done. And I, and I want to I, I say, that's great. I love celebrating the Seahawks. I'm going to support them all the way through when they win the Super Bowl. Amen. I got it. Cowboys are not in it. But how much more should we celebrate baptism? How much more should we as Christians celebrate lives that have been changed by Jesus? And so what we're going to do is, is, is we've got four people getting baptized. And as we go through these baptisms, I want you guys to be the 12th man. I want you to clap and to cheer and to yell. And if anybody can do that loud whistle thing, I want you to whistle. I want you to, to put your hands up. I want this to be a celebration right here. Because these four people getting baptized are, are people that God has changed their life. And as Christians, we want to celebrate that. We're bringing the kids in. I want the kids uh, to be able to, to see this. This is an exciting time. And... Um, <laughs> Give the kids a second to get situated. All right. So uh, one of the cool things with baptism is um, this is just, there's nothing special about baptism water. You can get baptized anywhere. We happen to have this portable baptistry that's got wheels on it. And so we were able to bring it in for us today. And uh, the water is, uh, it, it's, it, it's water that came out of the, the, the kitchen bathroom, or the kitchen sink, excuse me. So that, no, <laughs> well, I got to make sure I get the right word here. 
came out of the kitchen sink. It came out of the kitchen sink. So, um, so we've got four people getting baptized today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have the first one come up, uh, Maria Campos. If you would come on up for for a minute. Give that to you. Um, so, so a, cu- a couple questions I want to ask you. Um, you know, Maria, the first step was to become a disciple. Um, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes. And uh, tell me today, um, tell, me, tell me your story. Tell, tell me your, 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 your story of how you came to Christ. It was at a Young Life seminar, and the guy was talking about dragging dead dogs. And I had a bunch of them. <laughs> and so he said, bury your dead dog, and I did. And I came to Christ. It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't really ever <laughs> when it's about God. So. Yeah. And, and what has God done in your life since then? I mean, how has he transformed you? Well, I came from a family that was broken. My dad was an alcoholic, and he was abusive. He beat my mom daily. Um, I was physically abused, sexually abused, and um, I thought I was alone. And that day at that seminar, everything changed. So. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. So tell me, uh, tell me, Maria, why, why do you want to get baptized? Um, to be obedient to God, but not only that, to show everyone that I've given my life to him. We have um, a young man named Jackson Diet. Jackson, if you would please come on up. All right, here, if you want to grab this for me. Uh, Jackson, can you tell me how old you are? I'm 10. Uh, Can you tell me who your dad is? You. (laughs) Oh, snap. Watch out. Uh, How how many brothers and sisters do you have? Four. Four. How many brothers are those? Three. Well, they each gave me a dollar to keep you under the water longer. So, just kidding. Um, Jackson, um, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Would, uh, would you mind sharing your story? Sure. Um, my name is Jackson. I am 10 years old. And um, it was about three years ago when I wanted to have Jesus accepted into my heart forever. And I, really, and I wanted to have my sins forgiven. So I asked my parents if I could become Christian. And they answered me yes. So um, we read this book called The First Christmas about a boy who is always asking questions, and at night, his mother reads him fairy tales, but one night, he asked if his mom could read him, tell him real stories about real people, so about a week later, near Christmas, she read the Bible, she read the Bible, all about what Jesus did, and about Jesus dying on the cross for us, he, um, he asked many questions, but was very fond of the story, after that, I prayed, and asked Jesus Christ into my heart, I was very grateful. I was very glad to have Jesus in my heart with all my sins forgiven. And uh, Jackson, tell me, why do you want to be baptized, bud? Um, I want to show my love for Christ, and I want to, um, yeah, I want to show my love for Christ. Cool. All right. Now, uh, this is really kind of a fun thing. I um uh, I'm excited for this. This is, uh, this is, we have a mom and a daughter who are going to get baptized today. So uh, if I could have uh, Erica McKenzie Pelson, if you guys would, uh, would come on up. Uh, this is really cool to be able to have them get baptized together. And so uh, I don't know if I'm more excited about this or if they are. So 
Um, this is Mackenzie Pelson. This is Erica Pelson. Mackenzie, if you want to hold on to that. All right. Can I ask you a few questions, Mackenzie? Uh, how old are you, Mackenzie? Ten. Ten years old. Uh, tell me, uh, Mackenzie, have you uh, trusted Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Can you tell me your story? My name is Mackenzie Pelson. I'm 10 years old. I was adopted from Chongqing, China, when I was nine months to a Christian family. I was six years old when I invited God into my heart at Awana. The next day, I was so happy. I felt different, and I felt new. I'm in fourth grade at John Campbell Elementary. Sometimes it is hard to be a Christian in a public school because sometimes kids make fun of me when they find out I'm a Christian. But knowing Christ is on my side, it gives me strength. Sometimes I get bullied at school, so I pray, and it makes me feel better. When I'm at school, I don't have my family to help me feel better, but I know God is always there for me. And, uh, Mackenzie, why do you want to get baptized today? Because I want to follow Christ. You want to follow Christ? That's awesome. And can I ask your mom a few questions? Is that okay? All right. Erica, how are you? Good. I won't ask you how old you are like I did the kids. Uh, so, Erica, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? I have. Can you tell us your story? Yes. So I'm so happy to, and excited to finally be baptized today. I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. Starting at the ba- about the age of nine, my parents would drop me off on Sundays at a church up the road from our home. I loved going, and I loved attending vacation Bible school there. As I got older, I stopped going. I felt like God was this part of my life that I had just placed in a box, and I only opened that box during hard times. About the age of 16, my parents were saved, and they began attending church. I attended with them occasionally, but I really had no desire at the time to have a deeper relationship with Christ. Though if you asked me if I was a Christian, I would have happily answered yes. But God was still in that box that I only opened when I needed him, and I I would often tell myself I wasn't worthy of him yet. In the summer of 89, I went to Malibu with Young Life. It was there one of my leaders told me, just saying that I was a Christian didn't make it so. I needed to recommit my life to Christ and have a relationship with him, a relationship that didn't consist of me putting him in a box. I knew after returning home from that trip that I definitely was far from God. Yet, did I call on him? No. Over the next several years, I continued to live my life I continued to live my life, continuously pushing God away, yet calling on him in hard times. By the time I was about 21, I was in a deep, dark place in my life. I I soon began attending a new church with my parents, and I loved it. It was there I met my husband and some amazing people. Soon, God became real and tangible to me for the first time in my life. It was during this time that I realized I was never going to be worthy of him. I slowly let him out of my box, and I watched him do great things. It wasn't easy, and it definitely didn't happen overnight, but God changed my heart, and I try every day to live for him. God continues to show me his love, grace, and mercy. And this is my favorite verse just from when I was a child. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and, to not harm, and, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Awesome. Uh, tell me, Erica, why, why do you want to be baptized today? I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to be obedient. 